Hello and welcome to the Revelation Podcast and my name is John and today's date is Tuesday, August 4th and recently I've added more to my daily reading. You know, when I get up, I like just to fill my heart with praise and be thankful to God. And last night I was talking about being filled with the Spirit. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 18. Do not be drunk on wine, but be filled with the Spirit. And then we looked at verses after that. And they were telling us that we should be thankful. We should praise God with our hearts. And we should submit to one another. And so when getting up, I want to be filled with the Spirit. And not only when I get up that I want to be filled filled with the spirit but i also want to be filled with the spirit while i sleep so as much as i can i try to just meditate and keep meditating on the word when i'm sleeping and eventually i'm going to fall asleep and just being filled with the spirit continuously and you know the spirit leads me and when i read the word I've been reading it in chronological order from Genesis to Revelation. And I use the Bible app like most of us use it. It is the um can it's the common word Bible version that people use, you know. And let's see. Let's see. The Bible app right here. Let me see. I want to get it correct. I know what I will do is let's see. I'll go search here. Bible U version. That's right. U version. Of course, the U version. I've been using the chronological order from U version, and I've been reading from Genesis to Revelation. Well, when I was in college, I went to Liberty University, and. From there, I learned the reading plan that the founder, Dr. Jerry Falwell, had. And I do remember that he read one chapter of Proverbs and five chapters of Psalms. Then the Old Testament and New Testament. Either it would have been like two chapters from the Old Testament or three chapters of the New Testament. I can't quite remember. But I definitely do remember that he read like five chapters of Psalms and one chapter of Proverbs. So what I've done for this month is I began to add Psalms and Proverbs to my reading. And what a blessing it has been. So today being August 4th, I read through Proverbs chapter 4 and Psalms chapter chapter 16 through chapter 20. And after that, I go into what I'm reading in a chronological order, which is the book of Acts. And, you know, with what I'm sharing right now, may have something to do with what I'm going to share. And we've been going through Jesus and Exodus, and we are in part seven of that series. And in part 7, we'll continue chapter 7, and we'll be looking at 9, 12, and 14. And in part 8 is where we'll begin to take a look at the plagues. And if you see in verse 15 of chapter 7, that's where the plagues began. That's where 
Moses starts turning the water, the Nile River into blood. And I've been preparing for that, and I've been asking the Holy Spirit to lead me in teaching this, as well as teaching this today. And in part 7 of chapter 7, verses 9, 12, and 14, I want to call part 7 the Battle of Serpents, because that's what we see with Aaron's rod and with the Egyptian sorcerer's rod. And from 2 Timothy chapter 3, we know their names to be Janus and Jambres. And so we know from that there were at least two serpents that Aaron's rod swallowed up, or there could have been more serpents because other sources could have had staffs as well, and they could have turned their serpents into rods. We don't know, but either way, we know that the power of God could take out two serpents or a million serpents. So it doesn't really matter. The fact of the matter is that he took out their serpents. Now, to continue into Jesus and Exodus part 7, I want us to go to Matthew chapter 10, verse 16. And I'll be reading that from the King James Version. And go to Matthew chapter 10, verse 16. And this verse takes place when Jesus sends out his 12 disciples, two by two, to go preach to the lost house of Israel. In verses 7, he says, go preach the kingdom of God. In verse 8, we see that he has given them power and authority when he says, heal the sick. Cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. So Jesus sends the twelve two by two to go preach the gospel to the lost sheep of Israel. And he has given them the power and authority to do so. Now Jesus was honest with them. He tells them in verse 16 and where I want to read now. He says, Behold... I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. Therefore, be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. In this verse, there are four parts that I like to look at. The first part is to send out as sheep. The second part is the midst of wolves. Third part, wise as serpents. And the fourth part, as harmless as doves. I want us to look at them separately. And then I want to put them together so that we can see what Christ meant when he told his disciples that I want you to be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. So the first part, I send you forth as sheep. Now we've been looking at through the book of Exodus. And Jesus sends Moses a shepherd. You remember in verse 1 of Exodus chapter 3, he says, Now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law, Jethro, the priest of Midian. And he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. Now if you remember when Jesus commissioned Moses, 
He did not want to go because he did not see himself with a speech impediment to deliver his people out of Egypt. Well, I just went over Matthew 10, and we see that Jesus sends 12 out on a mission trip. Now, these 12 from Galilee, well, 11 of them were on the day of Pentecost. And on the day of Pentecost, they received the gift of the Holy Spirit. And they were speaking in tongues. And in Acts chapter 2, verse 7, the people there acknowledged him as, and they were amazed and astonished, saying, are not all these who are speak Galileans? So I send you out as sheep. In the Old Testament, we see Moses, who actually was a shepherd that guided the sheep. In the New Testament, we see Jesus sending 12 Galileans to do his work. And 11 of those 12 were witnessed by other nations that saw them speaking in their tongues. And they asked the question, who are these speaking Galileans? Now, Galileans were considered less than Judea because they were more poor and less educated. When he sent the 12 out, he sent them to the lost sheep of Israel. He sent them to preach heal the sick, clean lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. In verses 8 of Matthew chapter 10, he gave them power and authority. Later on, when he was with them in the upper room, he told them, I will not leave you as orphans. I have to go so that the comforter can be with you. And he was referring to the Holy Spirit. And in that verse, it's either referred to as comforter or helper. But they're both the same. The Holy Spirit. When the twelve went out the first time, the Holy Spirit was upon Jesus. So they did not need it until Jesus returned to the Father. So the sheep that Jesus sent were the twelve Galileans. And he gave them power and authority. All those Galileans, except for Judas Iscariot, were at the day of Pentecost. And they received the Holy Spirit. And they were able to do the signs and wonders that Moses and Aaron did in Egypt. And now the second part of Matthew chapter 10 verse 16. In the midst of wolves. He sends them in the midst of persecutors, like he sent Moses and Aaron in the midst of persecutors like Pharaoh, his sorcerers, and wise men. In Matthew chapter 10, verse 18, he tells them, You will be dragged before governors and kings for my sake, to bear witness before them and the Gentiles. So you can see the Pharaoh are the wolves. The persecutors that we face today are the wolves. We are still in the midst of wolves. 
Now, Exodus chapter 7, verse 11. Then Pharaoh summoned the wise men and the sorcerers, and they, the magicians of Egypt, also did the same by their secret arts. So we see these wolves in Exodus. You know, Pharaoh has these sorcerers and magicians. And this is what Moses and Aaron are up against. They are against these wolves. Now, when we follow Jesus, it will cost us everything. In Luke chapter 9, verses 57 through 58, it says, It will not make us comfort with riches. As they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes, and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. And in Luke chapter 2, it says, It might take away from the people we love. To another he said, Follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, Leave the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. So we see in Luke chapter 9, verses 57 through 60, that following Jesus will not make us rich. And it might take us away from people that we love the most, like our family. Now, third thing about when it comes to following Jesus, it might cost us our physical love. See, in capital 2A1, and what that means right there, that's my point where I want to kind of go back. It's a new way of kind of reaching them. Hopefully, I'll explain it clearly. Okay, the second part is, you know, number two is, he sends us in the midst of wolves. We are sheep going into the midst of wolves. And that may cost us our lives. Now, it did not cost Aaron and Moses their life. But in John Fox's Book of Martyrs, we read the follower of Jesus and we see how they died with persecution from their own people and from the world government like the Romans. So when we follow Jesus, we should not be expected to be comforted with riches. We might be taken away from people we love, and it might cost us our physical bodies. Now, third part in Matthew chapter 10, verse 16. Be wise as serpents. Hmm. Why did Jesus use serpents? To make his point of being wise. I mean, if you go to Genesis chapter 3, verse 1, it says that the serpent was the most cunning of all the animals. That gives us the indication that it is a wise creature. So how can we be wise as serpents? Well, I saw... Three things that can make us wise as serpents. Number one is wisdom is guidance from the Holy 
spirit. In John chapter 14, verses 16 through 17 says, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. And the Spirit will lead our spirit with its word. And we have that promise in 1 John chapter 5, verse 6. The Spirit will lead our spirit with its word. This is he who comes by water and blood, Jesus Christ. Not by the water only, but by the water and the blood. And the Spirit is one who testifies because the Spirit is the truth. Remember last night, we went through the Trinity and we saw how God the Father... God the Son and God the Holy Spirit are one. They do all the same things that they can do, and they also have specific functions that each Godhead can do. And the function of the Spirit is to be with us and to lead us. The way that it leads us, it leads us with its word. That's why it's also could be called the Spirit of Truth. Now, in 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 20 through 21, it says, The Holy Spirit inspired holy prophets to write the word that is our guide. Now, in the Old Testament, that's how people were led. They were led by people who had the Spirit. And those were prophets such as Elijah. Those were kings such as David. And people would go to them for advice. Is very similar to the two women in King Solomon who were disputing over a child. Remember King Solomon in his dream, he asked God for wisdom. And he got that by the Holy Spirit. And going on to 2 Peter chapter 1 verses 20 through 21. Knowing this first of all, that no prophecy of scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. So we can't interpret the word by just our thoughts alone. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man. But men spoke For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of men. But men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit in the Old Testament guided a few people. These are the ones that God appointed. Okay. Now, we receive the Spirit by being born in the Spirit. We receive the Holy Spirit. So when we're born again, we have access to the Holy Spirit. So we no longer need to go before a prophet or a priest to interpret the Word of God for us. The Holy Spirit is able to make us wise with His words. And Jesus says this about His Word. Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who builds his house on the rock. 
And in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15, And how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. So we see what the Holy Spirit, we can be wise as serpents because it is a spirit of truth and it will lead us because it is wise. The word is like a sword. In Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12 says, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And in 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse 15, Paul tells Timothy, Be diligent, present yourself approved to God. A worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightful defining the word of truth. So with the sword of the Spirit, we can understand truth because we are being led by the Holy Spirit. Now, being wise as a serpent comes from being led by the Spirit and being able to divide truth with the word. And last night, I shared there's a difference between being just born of the Spirit versus being full of the Holy Spirit. We want to be full of the Holy Spirit so we can have understanding and we can discern between what is right and what is wrong. All right. So far, I looked at three parts in Matthew chapter 10, verse 16. I looked at sent you out as sheep. I looked in the midst of wolves. We just went through being wise as serpents. And now we're coming to the last part of this. Be gentle as doves. When we provide answers for why we believe in what we believe in. We should do at least three things. Number one, we should honor Christ in our hearts as holy. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15. We should do it with gentleness. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 23 through 26, we see in how we could do that by four ways. Verses 23 through 24, we could avoid quarreling. In other words, avoid arguments. Unfortunately, we have a lot of brothers and sisters that use the word for the sake of argument. Why they always do that? Well, it's not always about apologetics. You know, the verse that I read in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15. Apologists use that verse on why they do with what they do. And we should be grateful for what they do. But if we are apologists, we need to guard our hearts. Because if we don't guard our hearts, you know, because the Word of God is going to be right all the time. It's because of the Word of God. It's not because of us. And when we are right constantly, you know, that could lead to a lot of people praising us and boasting us. And that could feed our flesh to where we are led away and we become more about winning arguments for our self-righteousness and not convincing people the word of truth so we can lead them to Christ. So, 
we have to be careful when we get into a discussion with the word. You know, what is our purpose? Are we doing it for our own glorification? Or are we doing it because we genuinely care about the person and we want to lead them to Christ? So, we should avoid arguments. We should avoid useless arguments. And those useless arguments I'm also including is people's debate between Calvinism and Arminius. Well, let me stop you guys right there. Because it's not Calvin or Arminian that the Bible is about. It's all about Jesus. We should look at Jesus. What did Jesus say? What did Jesus do? What does Jesus expect from me? And one of the things that Jesus expects from us is that we should avoid arguments. Jesus never looked for arguments. He debated, but he never looked for it. They always came to him. And he always provided them an answer. He provided with gentleness. He was gentle as a dove. So he wants us to be gentle as a dove as well. I mean, if you look at the passage in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 23 through 26, we'll see the word gentleness, you know. And the Lord's servants must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness. So be gentle with all. And the third thing about being gentle as dove is that we teach with patience. Avoid quarrel, be gentle, and teach with patience. You know, we have to remember how we were before we met Christ. I mean, without the Spirit, we will not understand His Word neither. And people that don't understand the Word, and I'm talking about people that deny Christ and deny the Word, they are denying it because they don't have the Spirit. And so we are not going to argue them to Christ. Christ never argued anyone towards him. When he was bringing people to him, he was bringing people through love. And that's why Paul says, out of faith, hope, and love, the greatest is love. It doesn't matter if you prophesize and If you have no love, you're like a gong. Now, I'm probably misinterpreting 1 Corinthians chapter 13, but we get the point, you know. If we don't do anything out of love, we're being annoying. It's that simple. So that's why it's important for us to be gentle. Because if we're gentle with them, that gives them an opportunity for them to be saved from the devil. When we are against opposition, like the disciples were, we need to remember what Jesus taught them, which is to be wise. And that comes from being led by the Spirit. And be gentle as doves. And that comes by us reading our word daily. So we let the word transform our minds daily. You know, it's not the new spirit that needs to change, but it's our mind that's in our soul. 
our mind is still susceptible to Satan's attack. I mean, if we spend more time in the world, we'll eventually start thinking like the world. But if we spend more time in the Word, we'll be living more according to the Word. In John chapter 15, verse 7 says, If you abide in me and in my Word, whatever you desire, it will be done. Now, that does not mean that we will be millionaires or billionaires. But what that does mean is that Christ will continue to supply our needs and we will not run out. Amen? Amen. Now, I know I kind of had a long introduction to the battle of the serpents with Matthew chapter 10, verse 16. The reason why I did that is because I want us to see um, what does it mean to be wise as a serpent. You know, in Genesis chapter 3, verse 1, it says that the serpent is the most cunning creature of them all. In Matthew chapter 10, verse 16, Jesus tells his disciples that when you go out, I want you to be wise as serpents. And Christ is talking about that we need to be led by the wisdom that comes from the Spirit of truth. And Moses and Aaron were led by God. They were led by the Spirit of truth. And so, the battle of serpents. Serpents. Exodus chapter 7, verse 9, 12, and 14. In verse 9, it says, When Pharaoh shall speak unto you, saying, Show a miracle for you. Then thou shalt say unto Aaron, Take thy rod and cast it before Pharaoh, and it shall become a serpent. After Pharaoh denied God, he was going to be hardened in his heart with the might of the Lord's hand. Remember in verse 3, I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and though I multiply my signs and wonders in the land of Egypt. From Exodus chapter 3 to chapter 7, we see God constantly remind Moses that he's going to harden Pharaoh's heart. And he starts that in verse 9 with a miracle. God doing signs and wonders through his children can be seen throughout the Bible. Now, who are his children? In Romans chapter 8, verse 16 says, The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. So those who have the Holy Spirit has the witness of it for their spirit. Therefore, they are children of God just as Moses and Aaron were children of God. God did signs and wonders with them. And remember, Old Testament prophecy that the Spirit will do signs and wonders through God's people. The Old Testament prophesied that. In Joel chapter 2, 
verses 28 through 30, he says, And it shall come to pass afterward, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams, and your young men shall see visions, even on the male and female servants in those days. Even on the male and female servants. So, God's spirit is not just restricted to royalty, actual royalty, like kings in the Old Testament. But the Holy Spirit goes all the way down to even to the male and female servants. And I will show wonders in heaven and on earth, blood and fire and columns of smoke. On the day of Pentecost, we see that and we still continue to see that. In Acts chapter 2, verses 7 through 8. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is that we hear each of us in his own native language? When God says to cast down Aaron's rod, for it became a serpent. We see that in verse 10. So Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and did just as the Lord commanded. Remember last night, one of the things, I command you. When God says go, we go. When God says do, we do. That's what happens when we are born again. We deny ourselves. We put to death to our old lives. And we live an eternal life that Christ has given us. And he wants us to obey him. Just like he wanted Moses and Aaron to obey him. In verse 11. Then Pharaoh summoned the wise men and the sorcerers. And they, the magicians of Egypt, also did the same by their secret arts. Now, Pharaoh and his Egyptian cabinet are the worldly snake. Moses and Aaron are God's snake. So we got the battle of the serpents going on. In Paul's letter to Timothy, he mentions two of them. Just as Janus and Jammers oppose Moses... So these men also opposed the truth. Men corrupted in mind and disqualified regarding their the faith. But they will not get far, for their folly will be plain to all, as was that of those two men. With all the oppression that Egypt did to God's people, they did not get very far. And after God judged Egypt, they were never the same. Ever since that time, Egypt has never been a world, the world power. Now, they might be a world power, but they were not as powerful like they were in Exodus. Well, we see in Exodus chapter 7, verse 12, Aaron's snake swallowed up their snake. The Egyptian serpents were wisdom from below. And in James chapter 3, Verses 14 through 16, it's expounded. The wisdom from below is, But if you have bitter jealousy 
and selfish ambition in your hearts. Do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but it's earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exists, there will be disorder in every vile practice. You know, when we talked about Pharaoh already, we talked about he represents the works of the flesh, where he's jealous, he's afraid, and he has ambition. And that is seen throughout this scenario with the battle of the serpents. With the wisdom that is demonic and comes from below, we see that with a pharaoh and his Egyptian wise men. Aaron's snake from above, you know, is God's wisdom. And this is how it's different from the wisdom from below. James chapter 3 verse 17. But the wisdom from above is first pure. God's a holy God. His thoughts are holy and everything that he does is holy. Then peaceful, you know, God is nothing but peace. He wants us to live in harmony. He wants us to trust in him. He wants us to know that with what he has given us that it will not run out. He will continue to provide for us. So we have no reason to be envy. And we have no reason to be jealous. Open to reason. You know, God's wisdom from what it's open to reason. You know, when we're born again in our early stages, we're babies. That means we're not going to understand everything. And that's why it's important for us to consume the word daily. So we can feed our spirit and begin to understand. And we should want to continue to grow. I mean, if there's something that we should not be content with, we should not be content with our spiritual growth. And what I mean by that is that we should want to continue to grow daily. That's why we want to pray, continue to be filled with the Spirit. Because when we have a desire and we want to fall closer to God each day, that's when Satan attacks. That's when Satan comes after us. That's why we want to be filled with the Spirit. That's why we want to be wise as serpents. Wise as serpents are the ones that are led by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit truth guides us and it empowers us with His authority so that we can swallow Satan's attacks the same way that Aaron's rod swallowed up the Egyptian serpents. The wisdom from above is the word of God. It's a sword of the spirit. It penetrates to the thoughts and emotions of the heart. While Jesus fasted, he was tempted in the wilderness by Satan. He defeated him with the word. Well, the same word that he used to defeat Satan was his authority that he gave Moses and Aaron. He also gave that to us. In John chapter 15, verse 7, it says, If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. Behold, 
I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall hurt you. And what God means by this, he doesn't mean that we're not going to experience physical death. I mean, we see the apostles experience physical death. We even saw Christ experience physical death. Yet, by the power of his Father, he resurrected him from the dead. And while Jesus was on earth, he resurrected people from the dead like Lazarus. Earlier on, I mentioned John Fox's Book of Martyrs. We see that Christ's followers experienced physical death. And Jesus told them that you should not be afraid of man because they can't take away your soul. My father can, which is why you should be afraid of him. Children of God will not lose their soul unless they decide to follow the world while believing God. So when we follow God, death cannot touch us because it can't take away our soul. Our soul is in God's hands. You know, with God's word, we have his authority. And we see that authority from Michael in Jude chapter 1 verse 9. You know, Michael was contending with the devil over the body of Moses. And I'm not sure why they were doing that. And I don't think very many people do know. Yet the thing that we want to know and see so that we can apply is towards the end of Jude chapter 1 verse 9. Where Michael, you know, he did not presume to pronounce a blasphemy judgment. In other words, he didn't bring an accusation to Satan, even though he can. He just got right to the point. He says, Lord, the Lord rebuke you. The Lord rebukes you. So whatever Satan, that serpent, comes to tempt us through the flesh... By the power of the Holy Spirit, we have the authority. We say, the Lord rebukes you. We rebuke you. In Jesus' name, we rebuke you. In Matthew chapter 4, verses 9 through 10, when Jesus was in the wilderness, and I like what Jesus said to him. And this is after Satan tried to tempt him to worship him. Then Jesus said to him, Be gone, Satan! For it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only should you serve. Remember, we are his sheep, and Jesus is our shepherd. And he is a shepherd that has given us his authority. So when Satan tries to attempt us, we could just say, be gone, Satan. And... He's faithful to his word. He says that if you submit to me and to my word, you can resist the devil and he will flee from you. Now, we should evaluate our lives right here, you know. And we should ask the question, what are we putting in front of our eyes? What are we putting into our ears and into our minds? When we consume the world more than the word, we are open to the flesh. And so Satan, you know, like a snake, you know, 
Snakes sense things with their tongues, and they're able to find weaknesses. And so when we are consumed with the world, when we're putting the world into our mind, we are putting ourselves into darkness, and we have a hard time seeing. That's where Satan's going to attack, and that's where he's going to turn on the heat. Now, if we are living in the world, we can't expect to resist the devil because the word is not in us like it should be. The way that the word is in us is when we consume the word daily. We consume it daily to be transformed. With Jesus, when we are under his authority, we have his authority that Satan cannot resist. And we see Janus and Jambres trying to resist Moses, but they cannot resist him because God has the authority. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 8 through 9. Now as Janus and Jambres resisted Moses, so do these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds disapprove concerning the faith, but they will progress no further, for their folly will be manifested to all, as there's all also. When we abide in Christ, we abide in his word. We are under him. He says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you ask whatever you desire and it shall be done for you. In John chapter 15, verses 9 through 10. And the Father loved me. I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. We are to submit to him. In James chapter 4, verse 7. Therefore submit to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. When we are following Christ and when we are following his word and we are holding on to the promises and we're applying what he has taught us, you know, we have his authority. We have his power. We can resist the devil and we can know that how he's attacking us and we can remove those things out of our lives. We can get rid of our Netflix. We can get rid of our Marvel and we could get whatever secular music that causes us to stumble, to cut those things out. And it makes it harder for him to attack us. And so we are living our life in the Spirit. And when we are living in the life of the Spirit, we are abiding in the Word. Therefore, we can resist the devil. We can be like Christ. We can say, get Satan, be gone. I rebuke you in Jesus' name. Aaron had God's authority. So Janus and Jamin's serpent could not resist his serpent. Moses and Aaron overcame with authority God gave them. We can also overcome Satan with our authority that comes from God. You tell him what Jesus told him. Get Satan. I worship God only because I am his child. And in verse 12 of Exodus chapter 7, 
Pharaoh's heart hardened is an example of God's promises fulfilled. Our God keeps his promises. From Exodus chapter 3 until chapter 7, verse 12, we see God's authority through Moses. We see how it carries out the promises that were prophesied. Jesus many times said that Pharaoh's heart will harden and he will let his people go by the might of his hand. And we are going to see more of that might throughout these 10 plagues. And in the next part of Jesus and Exodus, we will look at the first plague that begins Exodus chapter 7 verses 15 and goes all the way down to 25. This plague where the Nile River turned to blood lasted for seven days. Now think about it. The Nile River is the world's largest river and God turned that river into blood. And that Nile you know, like in Exodus, people relied on it. It was their life. And God took away from them, snapped his fingers. That's the type of power and authority that God has. And in the next part, we will take a look at the first plague. The plague of blood.